0: Uh, how uh, there is, um, of course, as we're going through here, this is uh, before uh, Judah has fallen uh, into captivity. And, of course, we know uh, being able to go back and read the whole Old Testament and the New Testament, and we know what happens. Judah ends up uh, falling just like Israel does, the northern kingdom. Um, But Micah is being used of God to try to intervene on behalf of Judah. And in fact, the name Micah means... Anybody remember what the name Micah means? Anybody? What's the name Micah mean? Kaylin? Who is like Jehovah? Who is like our God, right? Um, and uh, he gives a... If you go back to chapter... Um, um, in uh, Micah chapter 7, um, in verse number 18, he kind of ends with that very phrase. In verse number 18... Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? For he retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. And so even as he's concluding, he's like, Who is a God like unto thee, O God? And uh, that's what Micah's name means. It means who is like Jehovah, who is like Yahweh or our God. And uh, again, Micah is prophesying during the reign of three different kings. We talked about his faithfulness. Uh, last week and how even though during these three kings you have, uh, you have Jotham, you have Ahaz and then Hezekiah, Jotham was a good king and then Ahaz his son was a very wicked king and then Hezekiah his son was a good king, right? And uh, of course we know with Judah some of the kings were good, some of them were bad, but with Israel, the northern tribes, they were all evil. Uh, they were all evil but uh, and so Micah, even though through Jotham's reign, he sees that God is good and he sees that uh, things are going well. And then during Ahaz's reign and man, things just go downhill fast, but he remains faithful. He stays faithful even during the, the dark days and even during the hard times. And then, uh, of course, uh, Hezekiah uh, then becomes king during this time. And of course, Micah is just faithfully prophesying, faithfully trying to, to intervene and call uh, uh, all of Israel, all of Judah back to the Lord God. Um, but I want you to notice here in verse number one, um, we see here the, the direction of the message that we're going to find here in Micah. He says, The word of the Lord that came to Micah the Morseite in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and notice, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Right. So he uses two capital cities here, to give this direction of what he's going to be speaking of. He's speaking, uh, and he's referring, this message is going to go to two specific places, Samaria, which is the capital city of the northern tribes of Israel, and then Judah, which was the, or excuse me, Jerusalem, which was the capital city of the southern tribes of Judah, okay? And so he's, he's giving this message particular to Samaria and Jerusalem or to Israel and Judah. And we're going to see most of it ends up dealing with Judah, the southern kingdom, but he includes Samaria because of the sin that is taking place in Samaria okay? and in the northern tribes of Israel. But notice what he says in verse number two here. And notice this next phrase. He doesn't say Samaria. He doesn't say Jerusalem. He doesn't say Israel. He doesn't say Judah. He says, hear all ye people. Hearken. Oh, what's that next word? Earth. Earth. And all that therein is. So this message is primarily to one nation. It's going to be primarily to Judah, dealing with Jerusalem and Judah. But he also includes Samaria the northern tribes of Israel, the uh, uh, the ten northern tribes, but then he also says this message is also for everyone. Right? This is this is something that every single person. He, he says, "O Earth, right, uh, hear all ye people, hearken, O Earth, and all that therein is." Right. Uh, so this is not just for Judah and Israel. This is for everybody. And this is why even though we would say, well, you know, the Old Testament, Old Testament written to Israel, Old Testament dealing with uh, Israel and Judah and things like that. And so the Old Testament isn't for us. Well, we can say necessarily that it's not written to us, but it is still for us. And God is saying, look, this is going to be primarily to one nation, to Judah. But Samaria, you need to learn from this and Everyone else in the earth needs to learn from this as well, right? And watch how he begins verse number two. Look at this word, hear. Hear, all ye people. This word here means to listen. It means to pay attention, right? He, he's, saying, um, he's saying, listen up, right? You, you better listen to this, this message that is going to go out. He says, you better listen to this. Every person on earth, think about this. Every single person, Micah is saying, is one day going to give an account to God. Yes, Judah is. Yes, Israel is. But so is every person on the earth. And this is what he says. uh, And let the Lord God be witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. He said, look, you you better listen. Yes, this is going to be primarily to Judah. And Israel is going to be part of it as well. But hey, if you're a part of this earth, you better pay attention. You better listen up, because this has to do with every single person, because every person on earth one day will give account to God someday, every single person, not just the Jewish nation. And notice what he speaks about here. And, and you think about this, go, go back with me to the book of Romans chapter one, in the book of Romans chapter one. Romans chapter 1 Notice what he says in verse number 18. He says Paul speaking writing to the church of Rome he says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness, or excuse me, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. God says every person one day is going to stand before God. And here's the thing. Nobody has an excuse. Nobody does. Nobody has an excuse. I mean, again, there's, there's nobody that can say, well, I didn't know that there was a God. No, God says He has put it in every single person's heart that there is a God, right? Um, if you've been with us on, in our Sunday morning Sunday school, uh, we're going through some things and, and, and helping to see how, uh, God has really written the law of God in our hearts, right? And, and God says, look, there is going to be no excuse here. And this is what He says. The wrath of God is revealed. Right? He says God's wrath one day is going to be poured out upon the earth because of the wickedness of the earth. Now, we know uh, 2000, about 2,000 years after God created everything that he judged the earth and he, and with, a, with a flood, right? But God says one day... Just as that was the judgment of God, and yet he spared eight people, one day, God says, He again, he is going to bring judgment upon the earth. The wrath of God is going to be revealed. Okay? Now, watch this. Go back with me to the book of Micah. The book of Micah here, he says, Hear, all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is. So everybody, listen up. Everybody pay attention. And let the Lord God be witness against you. Now, the word witness here is a really interesting word. We would just think of, you know, the Lord God be witness. So we would just think that God is testifying or God is is bringing an accusation against people, right? But the the word witness has the idea of a courtroom setting. It's the idea where a trial is being conducted before a judge, right? But this trial is, is unique because the judge is God himself. And the, if we would say, the the plaintiff, the one that is bringing the accusation, is God himself. You, you understand? When, when God is the judge, and God is bringing the accusation, uh, we better listen up. Because, there, th- look... You might, you might know some slick lawyer dude to be able to get you out of a parking ticket or a traffic ticket or something like this, but there isn't going to be anybody that's going to be able to stand there and somehow get you out of whatever God is saying you have done. And this is why he's saying, look, this isn't just for Judah. This isn't just for Israel. He says, oh, earth, he says, and all the inhabitants therein, every one of us are going to stand before God one day. And if we don't know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior, then guess what? It is God who is the one that is bringing the accusation against us. Because that person has then rejected Jesus Christ. And there's no way out of that, right? And so this idea, the judge, it is the Lord God. And the one that is bringing the accusation is the Lord God. Well, who is the defendant? It is Israel. It is Judah, but it is also all mankind. We, we are the, we are the ones that the, that is being accused. And, and again, there's, there's no one that's going to be able to somehow get us out right? The only way that we can ever stand before God as a judge and for God to look at us and say, Hey, you don't have to worry about judgment. You don't have to worry about condemnation. You don't have to worry about anything that the judge is going to say, because you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter eight and verse number one, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Now wonderful to know One day when we stand before uh, God himself, hey, we don't have to worry about condemnation. We don't have to worry about judgment because Jesus Christ has already taken care of that on the cross for us. He's already taken care of that. And that's why when we think about celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, yes, the death of Jesus Christ is the payment for sin. But without Jesus Christ rising from the dead, we have no hope of eternal life. We have no hope of the resurrection. And so because of that, now we can know that one day we are going to be resurrected. And yes, one day we are going to stand before God and it's going to be okay. Because our defense is not trying to get us out of something. Our defense is the blood of Jesus Christ. And when God looks at that, we're good. We're good. But watch what he says here. Not only does he say, hey, you better listen up, but look what he says in verse number three and four. For behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth and the mountains shall be molten under him and the valley shall be cleft as wax before the fire and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. So here in verse number two, he says, listen, Better listen, better pay attention. But in verse number three, he says, look what's going on. Look, look, behold, look what's happening. The Lord cometh forth out of his place. What are we supposed to see, Micah? Micah, what is it that you're wanting us to see here? He says, the Lord is leaving his throne. The Lord is coming out of his place, he says. The Lord cometh forth out of his place and will come down. Like, oh, that's great. That's when, you know, Jesus is going to come and and take the saints back. No, 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 no. That's not what this is. Did you notice what he says? Remember what he he just said? Hey, you better pay attention. You better listen. Because every one of us are going to stand before God one day. And he says here, again, it's obvious that when the Lord comes, and what he's explaining here, this is not going to be a good time. Micah says that he's coming forth to tread upon the earth. I will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. That word tread has to do with with destruction. I mean, think about what it says in verse number four. The mountains shall molten under him. When God steps on the earth, man, the, the mountains are just going to melt before Him. As the valley and, and the valleys shall be cleft as wax before the fire, and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. He said, "When God comes here, this is this is coming for judgment. The mountains are going to melt under Him. The valleys are just going to split apart, just as wax is uh, melts when there is fire put to it, and water just is going to." Disappear when you have a uh, when you have like a waterfall or something. It just goes off the edge and it's it's down. It's gone. He said, "This is what's happening. This is the king. This king is is not coming um, in peace. This king is coming for battle. This king is coming for war. There is there is a a battle that is going to take place here. He is coming to bring judgment. And it's really interesting when when you think about this because in verse number five he says." For the transgression of Jacob is all this, and for the sins of the house of Israel. So, so watch this. Micah says, again, Micah's kind of giving, he's kind of like giving an introduction to what he's going to be speaking about throughout the rest of it, right? This is kind of a synopsis here, and then he's going to really get into great detail as we get into chapter 2 and 3 and, and going through here. But Micah says, hey, you better, you better listen, you better pay attention, because God is going to come, God is going to come to this earth, and he's going to bring judgment He's going to, he's, ju- he's going to judge the earth. And when he comes, the mountains are going to melt away and, and the valleys are going to, uh, they're just going to break open. And he, he gives the idea of almost like, uh, molten lava and earthquakes and, and destruction that's taking place. And he says for the transgression of Jacob is all this and for the sins of the house of Israel. So he says, the reason why this is happening is because of sin It's because of transgressions. We're going to look at this in just a moment. But, but here's what's really amazing about this. Micah's preaching. He says, this is what's going to happen, right? And watch how Judah and Israel respond, right? Are you ready for this? What is the transgression of Jacob? This is, this is Samaria here. This is, this is Israel. They're saying, what have we done? Can you, can you believe what they're saying? They're, they're, they're saying to Micah, what? You're saying God's going to bring judgment. Why? What have we done? And, and he says, he says, uh, what is the?" Tr-? He says, is it not Samaria? He gives them the reason. And then even Israel said, or Judah says, what are the high places of Judah? It, Micah, what are you talking about, man? Why, why are you saying, what, what have we done? Israel and Judah were, were so far into sin that even when Micah calls them out and says, hey, judgment is coming, they're like, what? Us? Sin? What? Transgression? Us? What have we done? Right? I mean, it's, it's very similar. If you go back to the book of Malachi, if you go back to the book of Malachi, it's amazing how, uh, how Israel just, um, us? What? How? Surely not, right? In, in Malachi chapter 3. And again, we don't have time to look at all of it. Um, in, uh, uh, let's see, where, can, where is it at real quick? Um, well, I had it a second ago. Oh, in uh, chapter 1, verse number uh, verse number 6, um, he says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, wherein is my honor? If I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts, O priest that despise not my name. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? God says, you're doing this, and they're like, us? Us? I know, if you've never had kids that have done that, Right? <laughs> You've never had kids that, you know, when you call them out, you're like, you know, you, 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 this is going to happen. They're like, us? What? Me? Wrong? No. Impossible. I'm your kid, right? No, I can't be wrong. No. And, and so this is, this is the same idea that, uh, that, that Israel is saying. Look, how could you say that? What is this judgment? Why, why are we being judged? And it's as if they are questioning why God is upset. Why God is bringing judgment on them. Why is this judgment coming? And so he answers them in verse number five. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? What what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? What is the crime that is being brought against them? What is this accusation that Micah is bringing against them? It is it is rebellion. It is rebellion towards the Lord God, and that they have turned to idolatry. They have turned their back on Jehovah God and they have turned to idolatry. This began back in First Kings. If you hold your place in Micah, go back to First Kings with me. A lot of times we get the idea that this that this idolatrousness um, somehow begins with. Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and, and it does. That's where the nations kind of divide, but it didn't begin there. In fact, you can follow Israel's history and you can find they've always gone after strange gods, right? But specifically here, we see it beginning back in 1 Kings chapter 11. In 1 Kings chapter 11, notice why God is going to split the nations, why this is going to happen. And it came to, in verse number 29, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 29, and it came to pass at the time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they two were alone in the field, and Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him, rent it in twelve pieces, and he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give, it, give uh, ten tribes to thee. So here's the dividing of the kingdom but he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Now here it is. Why? Because that they have forsaken me and have worshiped Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, Milkon, the god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in my eyes and to keep my statutes and my judgments, as did David his father. So think about this. God is saying the reason why this dividing of the kingdom is taking place is because of idolatry. And this begins under the reign of Solomon. It begins under his reign. And again, no doubt when uh, they, they looked around at the pagan countries that are around them and when they're questioning in Micah, when they're saying, God, why are you judging us? I'm sure just as, uh, and we're going to talk about this in just a second, they were looking around and saying, look at, look at these other pagan countries. Look how much worse they are than us. Look how vile they are. Look how wicked they are. We're not, we're not even near what they are, God. Why aren't you judging them? Why, why would you be concerned about judging us? We're not as bad as they are. Us, God, wh- why don't you judge them, right? Why, why don't you judge them? I mean, remember, God, we're your chosen people. Okay, we haven't followed you the way we should. And yes, maybe we're worshiping other gods, but we're definitely not like all these pagan countries. And so they're, they're, they're trying to, again, they're trying to bring an excuse so no doubt they're looking around at the pagan countries and wondering why wasn't God judging them? I mean, they weren't as bad as these other pagan countries. And by the way, that's, that's a good question. Why wasn't God judging them like Israel and Judah? Why wasn't God judging them the way he's judging Israel and Judah? Rob? They didn't have the law. Okay, they didn't have the law. Why why wasn't God judging them? Ms. Steph? Because these were God's people. God is saying, I'm expecting much more of you than I am of them. I don't expect the pagan world to follow me. I don't expect these people to do what I'm, I'm expecting you to do. I'm expecting you to be obedient to me. I'm expecting you to worship me so that these pagan countries know who I am. There was an expectation that God had of Judah and Israel saying, Hey, I'm expecting more of you because I have chosen you to represent me. And I want these other nations to be able to see who I am through you. And the problem is you aren't showing me. You've gone to all these other gods. And he says, this is why you're being judged. This is why this judgment is coming. In fact, even in in the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 4, verse 17, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. You understand that God is going to judge those who are his on a higher standard than those who are not his. Because we belong to him. There is is a judgment that is expected of us. And this is why God is saying, I'm bringing this judgment on you because of how you have responded in turning away from me and rejecting me and becoming like the rest of the world. Yeah, you may not be as bad, but that's not what I want from you. I want you to be different. Who is this directed toward? Again, he says, he uses this, Jacob and Judah. Jacob referring to Israel, Judah referring to the southern kingdom. But what was the transgression of Jacob? It's interesting, he says, it's Samaria, the capital city of the northern kingdom. Samaria, you have all of these kings, and we don't have time to go through it, you can go back and you can read through first and second kings and first and second chronicles, and you can read what all these kings were doing, the wickedness of Samaria. We talked about that in, in Amos. We talked about it in Hosea the wickedness of Samaria, the cities there, uh, the city. Uh, and this was the capital. This is what the rest of the country was looking to, and they were setting the wrong example, and God says, "I'm going to hold you responsible. What was the sin of Judah? It's interesting. He says Jerusalem. And they said, what are the high places of Judah? How could Jerusalem be be like Samaria? I mean, after all, wasn't the temple? Wasn't the temple in Jerusalem? Wasn't that the, the house of God? Wasn't that in Jerusalem? Wasn't Jerusalem a good place? Well, not when you're offering to false gods. See, Jerusalem had become just like Samaria. Yes, even though the temple was there, what had happened was they began to offer to these false gods. Go back to the book of Second Chronicles with me. Second Chronicles, chapter number 28. Second Chronicles, chapter 28. This is dealing with Ahaz, who was the king during this time, right? It says in verse number one, Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, but he did did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Where's he learning this from? He's learning it from Samaria. He's learning it from the kings of Israel and made also molten images of Balaam. So he's making idols. He's he's doing um, idolatrous things. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom. And so he's offering incense. He's sacrificing to these false gods and burnt his children in the fire, offering his own children as child sacrifices to these false gods after the abomination of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Again, Ahaz could say, well, I'm not as bad as them. Maybe you're not as bad as them, but it's still pretty bad. You're offering sacrifices to false gods. You're taking your own children and offering them as sacrifices. A total abomination to God. Look what he says in verse number 24. And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. We don't need God. We don't need what God says. We don't need God here. We've got our own gods. And watch. And he made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem. Oh, he didn't take away gods. He just shut the door of the house of the God. And then he starts setting up all these altars, all these idols all over Jerusalem. And he's leading Judah, he's leading Jerusalem into this pagan idolatrousness. And God says, I'm holding you accountable for this. Remember what Micah said? Remember how we saw last week? He said, hey, what's happening? He says, the the sin of Samaria has come to the door. He said, it's come to the house of of Jerusalem here. It's come here. We've stayed away, but now it's here in our city. Can I ask you a question tonight? What is the problem with America? The problem with America is not the world. The problem with America is not the world. The world will always be the world. You know what the problem with America is? It's the churches. It's the churches. It's Christians. Churches that were started preaching the gospel and and pointing people to Jesus Christ, but what happens when the churches become more about idolatry? Then it doesn't matter why they were started. They have become now the problem in our country. Christian Christianity, what we would say, may I say loosely in quotes, Christianity. It's it's really interesting to me when when I read the scripture and. Jesus says, wide is the gate that leadeth to hell. And narrow is the gate that leadeth to heaven. And few there be that find it. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that many people can't get saved. I'm just saying to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ is not popular not popular but we're living in a day and age where christianity is popular as long as you say you believe in jesus you must be okay it doesn't matter what it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you just say you believe in jesus you must be okay well let me ask you what religion doesn't say they believe in jesus They all say they believe in Jesus. So that means every religion is good now? What what has happened is we have as and again I, I want to I want to be very careful with this. True Christianity has sacrificed well, maybe we don't need to maybe we don't need to be as 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 authoritative as the Bible says. Maybe we maybe we don't need to stand on the word of God. Maybe it's okay if we go ahead and, and maybe shut some doors. Well they, they they shut the doors of the temple. They said, we don't need God. Now now again remember what happened. Why did the why did the ten tribes in the north. Why did uh, why did Jeroboam, why did he make the golden calves in the beginning? Because he didn't want people going to Jerusalem. He didn't want God's people going to Jerusalem and worshiping the way that God said to worship. He said, in Jerusalem, in the holy city, that's where you're to worship. Jeroboam says, hey, I'm afraid that if people start going back to the proper way of worshiping, I'll lose people. So let's compromise. Instead of going to Jerusalem, let's go to Samaria and let's go to Dan. And I'm going to make golden calves here. And this is where you can come to worship. And even though I know the priests are supposed to be from the tribe of Levi, we're just going to get some people and call them priests. And they're going to be the ones leading you now. Do you know? <laughs> oh, man. Do you know? how easy it is for somebody to become a pastor nowadays? You know how easy it is now? Yeah, you can go online and you can fill out a a little application. You can get a certificate that says you're ordained, you're a pastor now. Do you understand? The the world is trying... I don't know if it's the world. I don't think the world really cares, but it seems like The quote unquote Christians are trying to make Christianity appealing to the world. We're not supposed to make Christianity appealing to the world. That's not our purpose. You know what we need to do? We need to lift up Jesus Christ. That's that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to lift up Christ. We're supposed to point people to Jesus Christ. We're supposed to shed that light. We're to be the light of the world. We're to be the salt and light. And, and, And instead, what we're doing is we're saying we don't need the things of God. We don't need what God says. We don't need the truth of the word of God. We'll just do whatever we think people want to hear. We'll do whatever we think people enjoy, and that's what we'll do. And, and by the way, that's going to get us more people, uh, and that's why you know you, you see all kinds of things going on. You see churches that now it's, it's like rock concerts and, and all kinds of crazy stuff going on there, and, and, but yet these are, oh, yeah, we've got hundreds and hundreds of people. Look, again, I'm not against churches that have hundreds. I know there are good churches that have hundreds, but what's happening is, is we have become just like Israel and Judah. We're saying we don't really need God. We have our own idols. Think about it. We have our own idols. We don't need the God of the Bible. We just need what I want. That's why, hey, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll believe in Jesus, but don't, you know, don't ask me to serve. Don't ask me to do anything. I just want to be able to check in and check out at, at church. You know, I come, you know, I, I, I'm there, and then I, and I go home right? Uh, You know, I don't want to, don't ask me to serve, uh, surrender my life. Wait a minute. Hold on. I've got a good job. I've got a career going on here. You know, my kids are going to be the next, uh, Michael Jordan and, and Bo Jackson. And and these people, you know, my, my kids, I've got to really push them into sports. We are making idols all over the place. Just like they set up idols all over Jerusalem. We in America, we have set up idols everywhere. Everything has become a God to us. Everything is. You know how I know? Because when it comes time to be obedient to God, we just don't have time for that. When it comes time to follow God and do what God wants to do, well, I just, I just don't think I can make that sacrifice. You can sacrifice hours and hours and hours in a car taking your kid to a ball game, but you can't sacrifice an hour or two for God? You can sacrifice for a car and you can sacrifice for a house and you can sacrifice to go out to eat and you can sacrifice for a gun and you can sacrifice for a boat and you can sacrifice for clothes and you can sacrifice for all these things, but we can't sacrifice for the things of God. We have made idols of everything. Just as they said, they put up idols in every corner of Jerusalem. Anywhere you turn, there was idols. The problem was it wasn't really God. It was what they wanted it to be. And we have done the same thing in America. Look, I, I understand. Um, America, whether you want to say America was a Christian nation or wasn't a Christian nation, I don't really care. That, does, that doesn't matter to me. But I know that there have, at times, there were many Christians in America. But can I tell you this? It's, when, you go through, when you go through history, you know what you're going to find? It's never been popular to be a Christian. It's never been popular. You look at the, the, early, uh, the early history of our America. There were, there were Christians in this country, in the early history. When you think about, oh, people came over for religious liberty. Yes, they did. You know what happened? They got thrown in prison. They got put in jail. They got beaten. Here. Here. We, we have these grand ideas that, look, and I'm thankful for those that, that came and they stood for biblical principles because if not, we wouldn't have the freedoms that we have today. But we have allowed this easy Christianity to creep into our church and just say, hey, you don't have to, you don't have to serve God. You don't really have to follow God. Just do what you want to do. F- do what feels good to you. Just follow what, what you want to follow. Follow. Wait a minute, that's exactly what Israel did. And and watch what happens. He says, hey, you better listen, you better look, because the Lord cometh forth out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. Watch what he says in verse number 7. And all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces, and all the hires thereof shall be burned with fire, and all the idols thereof will I lay desolate. God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to destroy it all. I'm going to, these, these idols, these gods that you're serving, that you think you would rather serve them than the God that delivered you out of, out of the land of Egypt, that the God that, that brought you through the red sea and provided for you and, and gave you this land. You would rather serve these other gods than me. Who is like a God unto thee? Micah says, who is like the God that would send his son, Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. Who is like that God? And we have no time for him. No time for him because we have all of our other gods. We have every God imaginable money, careers, children, family. Again, there's, I'm not, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying there's wrong, anything wrong with a career. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with money. The Bible never says there's anything wrong with money. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Nothing wrong with family. God blesses us. But when we begin putting those things before God, they become our idols. Oh, it's not a little golden image that we'll set up and put in, our, put, in, put in our home or something like that. We're not talking about those kind of gods. Remember what God says? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And Jesus says, when asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first commandment and great commandment. Now tell me how we can love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind and then tell God, I don't have time for you. I don't have time to serve you. I don't, I don't have time to go and tell somebody about Jesus. I don't have time to invite somebody to Easter service or maybe they'll hear the gospel. I don't have time. I can't afford to do that, God. I've got my own things going. Leave me Alone We've become like Israel. And that's why Micah says, "This is not just for Judah, this is not just for Israel." What did he say? Back in verse number two, "Hear all ye people." O earth and all that is therein. Now understand, why is this so important? Why is God going to judge Israel and Judah and the rest of the world goes without judgment at this time? Because they were God's chosen people. Why is God going to judge Christians? What about the rest of the world, God? How come, how come they're just enjoying life? How come they just get to do whatever they want to do? How come you're not judging them? I mean, I'm not as bad as they are. I haven't done all the horrible things that they have done. You see, we try to make that excuse and we try to pass the buck too. What about them? God says, they don't belong to me. You do. You belong to me. And therefore, I expect a higher standard from you. I expect you to be different so that they can see who I am. They can see who Jesus is. Can they see that? They couldn't see that with, with Judah. Jerusalem, the holy city of God, became a place of idolatry. America, that, man, I'm telling you, for a couple hundred years, America's been a great nation and sending out more missionaries than any other nation has ever sent out before. Praise God for that. Churches all over the United States, praise God for that. But no longer. Now we have more missionaries coming back than going. Now there are thousands of churches closing the doors every single year. Every year. I hear of churches looking for pastors all the time. We need a pastor. We're looking for a pastor. Anybody know of a pastor? We're looking for somebody. We need a pastor. You know what we've said? We don't have time for God. We don't have time. We're going to set up the idols wherever we want, and we're going to do what we want And God says, okay. But remember, judgment is going to begin at the house of God. Judgment is going to begin with God's people because we are supposed to be different. We're not supposed to be like them. We are to be different so that they can see Jesus Christ, so they can see who the true God is. We're not supposed to be worshiping all these idols and putting all these other things first. We're supposed to put God first. You say, well, they'll, they'll laugh at us. They'll make fun of us. That's what God wants. He wants us to be different so that they will look at us and say, hey, there's something different about you. Yes, maybe they will laugh. Yes, maybe they will mock. Hey, they, they mock the, the men of God. They, they mock Jesus himself. They mock the disciples. They mock the prophets. But that doesn't change what God wants. He says, we need to be different so that they can see who the true God is. And I tell you, those gods that we have put before our God, they didn't send their son to die on the cross for us. They haven't blessed us. Who is like a God unto thee? Micah, who is like Jehovah God? Is he going to be our God? Or are we going to follow what Israel and Judah have done in following other gods and putting up idols all over Jerusalem, putting up idols wherever we want so that we can follow and do what we want instead of following and doing what God wants? But we have to remember, hear all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is. One day, every one of us will stand before God. And those who will stand before God first are his children. And we will have to give an account for what we've done for the Lord Jesus Christ. One of their heads bowed and her eyes closed. Samaria so would become nothing but a heap of ruins. The idols that they had made and they were so proud of, God said he would destroy them. The prophet that they had made off of their idols and off of their false gods would be lost. And they would stand with nothing. Have we fallen into the same trap that Israel did? We don't need to really serve God. I mean, I mean after all, we are God's children. Surely God's not going to judge us. I mean, look at how wicked the rest of the world is. We're not as bad as that. We're not doing those things. Micah says, hey, you better pay attention because the Lord is coming back. He's coming. And every one of us, Jew and Gentile, will stand accountable before God. Have we put up idols in our life? that we have said to God, I don't have time for you, but I have time for all these other idols. I have time for everything else, just not for God. As Christians, we ought to be the one that's taking a stand and making a difference and letting others see Jesus Christ through our lives because he is coming soon. Father, I pray that you'd work in our hearts tonight. Lord, would you just help us to realize how important it is that we keep you first in our life. Lord, if if we've put up idols in our life, help us to be willing to tear them down and to put you first again, to open the doors of the temple and to worship you the way you desire to be worshipped. You would be first in our life. As the piano just begins to play softly, just remain sitting, sitting in your seats. But maybe God has spoken to your heart tonight and there's something right now. God speaking saying hey would you get this idol out this has become an idol because it's more important to you than what God wants it's more important than being obedient to God and following him that's an idol and we need to tear it down Say, God, I need to put you first so that we can be that testimony that he wants us to be to the rest of the world. Micah was trying to intervene. God's trying to intervene in your heart and in your life tonight. Will you listen? I'm going to ask Brother Joel if he'll come at this time and share some prayer requests with us for this evening.